Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to another Wednesday night edition of BAMS Radio. A little discombobulated this evening, I have to say. Me personally, this is Thomas, the Rock Watts. I'm still getting over that terrible Sugar Bowl. That I mean, it was a rough game. I was there with Kerry Clark. He is actually going to be a little bit late this evening. He is coming home from, I believe, a basketball booster function. But I am joined by my colleague at Alabama Intel, Drew DeArmond. Drew, how are you this evening? Good, Thomas. Uh... It's it's uh, cold and you know in our in our part of the state. Don't know about yours. It's bitterly oh, it's frozen. cold here. It, yeah, it, it's frozen. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, every the whole state seems to be frozen right now. But good to be on with you. Uh, you know, it's kind of a apropos weather after what happened this past Thursday. Uh, you know, as I told somebody this week, uh, part of the reason it hurts so much and there's so much frustration is you you work so hard and you, and you see Alabama. You know almost tasting another national championship or at least the opportunity to play for one and the journey it, it takes it's such a there's so much that goes into it so much blood sweat and tears to come so close and then to lose the sugar bowl is very tough but you know still i think a very good year for alabama 12 and 2 uh the biggest cinderella story in college football in my opinion in blake sims and just uh I st- i'm still going to look back on the senior class and this team with a lot of reverence, because I feel like they overachieved. Absolutely, and you mentioned uh, good stuff, and I want to I want to jump into the show real quick. What we're uh, what we have tonight, we're going to be joined by uh, William Redfish Barger, also of Alabama Intel. It's going to kind of be the Alabama Intel show for the first hour. Or so we'll also be joined by former Shades Valley coach Bill Smith. He'll be talking. Uh, Drew, I believe you have him booked, focused on recruiting more than anything. Yes, he'll be talking about his star pupil Deron Payne, okay. who this past uh, who this past Friday uh, committed to the University of Alabama at the Under Armour game, and then Coach Smith was also able to coach at the Under Armour game, which is a big thrill. He got a little airtime on the sideline on ESPN, and and uh, got a chance to be around a lot of great players for the week, and and got some exposure there, and so 
Uh, we're looking forward to having the former University of Alabama punter, Bill Smith, on our show tonight. Absolutely. And uh, as I said, when we came into the show, Kerry Clark will be a little bit late, but he'll be with us later. But I, I just I want to take until – we've gotten to late 20 when, when Redfish will join us. I really want to focus on the Sugar Bowl, drill into it, and talk about – you know, really get into it. I personally – I was very disappointed – Drew, you and I had this conversation privately, but I'm also going to jump it onto the air and let some of your friends have it because you were sending me some of the stuff they said. And I'm not going to be a nice guy because they're not my friends, and I don't want to have (laughs) friends like this. So if you're listening, get ready to be offended, and Thomas not care. If you legitimately think, legitimately think, not you're partying on bourbon too long and decide to just, like, throw stuff on the wall and see what sticks. If you would legitimately think that Alabama could have gotten as far as they got with Jacob Coker, considering what we saw from Jake Coker in the little bit of mop-up time we saw in those first two games, you are insane. Like, like, go have yourself tested. Like, are, are, are you do like who did you bribe to allow sharp objects around you? There is no way, no how that. Alabama gets as far as they do with Jake Coker. Blake Sims, on numerous occasions, early in the season, later in the season, did things that were astonishing, absolutely astonishing. And you can't find that. Now, can you say that Blake Sims' ceiling was not as high as a Marcus Mariota or a Jameis Winston or even a Cardell Jones, who Cardell Jones' future is bright as all heck. Yes, his ceiling is not there. But to dump the Sugar Bowl onto Blake Sims completely, not right, not okay. And if you think that, just take a step back, drop your crimson glasses, and breathe. Because that is just flatly wrong, and there's no other way to put it. If, if you were talking about me off the air, there would be some colorful metaphors interspersed there. Because it's <laughs> so, it is so insane to me that someone would legitimately think this that I can't even countenance it. Now, the other stuff I actually really want to talk about, besides the whole Blake Sims controversy, is someone that's not going to get a lot of crap that I think needs a lot of it, needs to get a self some, is Kirby Smart. And, and I love Kirby Smart. I love the way Alabama plays defense 99% of the time. But in the past three games, you've seen major deficiencies. And... Yes, do you not have the personnel with Eddie Jackson kind of falling, you know, not really fully there? Sure, I'll, I'll, I will grant you that. But you don't give up 500 yards on average. That That's just not Alabama football. And can you argue that maybe Nick Saban should have yanked Lane Kiffin by the headset and said, run the goddamn ball so that we're not getting – thrown and passed on 24-7, yeah, you can say that. That's an argument that you could make. But the Ohio State offense was unstoppable for 40 minutes of that game. Now, credit to the Alabama defensive line. Alabama's defensive line went absolutely crazy in the final 18 minutes of the game and shut down that Ohio State offense. I would be willing to argue to you, Drew, I'm not going to, but I just want to throw it out there, if – Reggie Ragland doesn't get a concussion, and Landon Collins doesn't have tremendous shoulder issues on multiple occasions in that game. Alabama wins because I don't think Ezekiel Elliott gets that 85-yard touchdown run. 
But, you know, if if that, you know, I, it, it's just something to think about. But, Drew, I've ranted a little bit. I really wanted to get that off the che- off my chest. What did you think of the game? Get, it, get, into, get into it a little bit. Well, I, you know, I, I, I agree. You know, talking to someone, a very good source this week, had dinner with them, and uh, they uh, – I think Ohio State knew all of our checks defensively. I think our schemes have gotten a little stale, Thomas. They're going to have to change some things up. Obviously, also, uh, it was a personnel issue as far as I think the coaching staff, they did a great job from the standpoint of, you know, of covering up for, uh, you know, for the holes they had most of the season. But against the cream of the crop, it was exposed, as you said, late in the year. And um, obviously, guys like Nick Perry overachieved, but they were limited. Basically, Cyrus Jones had a really solid year, but Nick, uh, but you know, the only true guy that it seemed was the difference maker in stud was 26, and uh, he was a, he's a first rounder, and he, as you said, very accurately missed the end of the game. And then one other thing that you didn't mention that I want to mention too is Sean Dion Hamilton had to play late. Dylan Lee would have been in there ideally, but he was also injured and had a shoulder injury. So near the end of the game, if you had told Alabama fans, okay, in the last part, latter stage of the fourth quarter, Dylan Lee, Reggie Ragland, and Landon Collins are going to be over there on the sidelines, you would know you were in trouble. And it just all snowballed on Alabama and caught up to them. What they needed in that game, they, you're right, they have to improve defensively. A lot of that has to be on Smart and Saban. But what they did also is they didn't play well enough on offense. They did score enough points. 35 should be enough. But with the way it unfolded, with the injury situation and the way they put, that they executed defensively, they were going to need a superhuman offensive performance. Didn't get that two picks by Blake Simpson. Really, just didn't run the ball enough with Derrick Henry. Uh, when they, I, I think the crucial part, and this is not on Blake, the play would have been a touchdown to OJ Howard if he had thrown it sooner when he was open. But really, to me, they should have run the ball there. And I would have been, I just really want to would have been uh, interested to see Thomas how Ohio State would have reacted if Alabama had run the ball, run some time off the clock, and scored to go up 35-34 after taking their best shot because we never really had to see Cardell Jones have to react from that adversity. He had done it once in the first half, but could they have done it again after they had again thrown the haymakers? We'll never know that, but we'll see. You're right. I think I think that the the game plan was just not – it just it need I it needs some tweaking, but you know my mother's a huge Alabama fan. She and I had a long conversation about this as I was driving home from the game. I think there's enough blame to go around here. Oh, absolutely. It, it's it, it's not like, but I also will say this: you're a lot closer to the program than I am. I, I'm down in Mobile. I've got you know local high school football, the Senior Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. But. Uh, I'm not in Tuscaloosa anymore, so I feel like I can't I can't say what the problem is specifically. Just that there is one, and if Alabama, if Nick Saban's going to get his seven million a year and he's going to earn it, that problem needs to be addressed slash fixed or at least tweaked going into next season. Oh, there, there's no doubt. So, I agree, and that that's that's my stance. I know that might be a little naive that I can't exactly put my finger on it, but. When Alabama's paying you all this money, I'm proud of the 12-win season. I will always remember this season for the feel-good story that you mentioned, but you've got to justify that paycheck. 
that that that's the downside of getting paid that much, and that that's where I am with this team right this second. Oh, absolutely. It, it was painful because I do think if Alabama had tweaked their game plan, run the football a little bit more, and it, and even if, and the disappointing thing defensively was the execution and the tackling because tackling is effort. You've got to tackle better. They didn't really tackle all that well, but if they had just you know been a little bit smarter with the offensive game plan. And had a little bit of luck with the injury situation. You feel like they would have beaten Ohio State, but uh, you know, again. Uh, but I, let, let, let's give us let, let's say one more thing though, Thomas. We haven't talked about it. Uh, if they had won the football game and come back and won it, there would have been a lot of credit given to the to the adjustments of the coaches and especially Blake Sims yet again and the pluck and grit of the team to quote the fight song. But the real MVP of that game would be Jay. K. Scott. Oh, absolutely. He yeah, is I, an absolute machine, and I have never seen a punter like him. And that he, that he did not win the Ray Guy Award is a joke. Well, absolutely. Um, it, it's unfortunate that he didn't get that award. I think he absolutely justified it against Ohio State. But I don't want to count our chickens here, but I really am interested to see if this guy will be three and done as a punter. Yeah, very interesting. Yes. When you have NFL players like Ha Ha Clinton Dick, who made 100 tackles as a rookie, saying Alabama got a punter going to the league after his junior year, probably on Twitter. That's that. And he's not the only one to say that. Tom Luganville, a lot of people that are, you know, uh, names in the business that have seen JK have said the same thing. And I think, Thomas, you're a historian as well. I think Ray Guy is the only punter to ever go in the first round of the draft. We can have our second one. I think I'm actually looking up, looking that up right now, but it's certainly not something obviously that happens very often. And even today, if you remember, Brad Wing, the all-everything right. punter from LSU, was a late-round pick. I think he was like a sixth or a seventh round pick. And I, the last kicker I can remember going in the first round, Thomas, was Sebastian Janikowski, who has uh, justified it. He's been a very good kicker on horrific football teams with the Oakland Raiders. But he went, I think, 17th in the first round when he came out of Florida State. And I think he even left a year early himself. I'd have to go back and double-check that. But, again, uh, I think Janikowski is the last kicker. Yeah, you're right on Janikowski, but that was kind of Al Davis being, well, crazy. Al Davis. Yeah. But the point point to take from all this is J.K. Scott is an absolutely rarefied error in terms of his ability as a punter. Not only I can kick the ball into the next county, but (laughs) I can directional kick the ball if I have to. And it's it's not going to go into the next county. I can drop the 40-yard dime and get someone stuck on the five. I mean, that's all the kid did through the third and fourth quarter. So oh, it is. And what's the most amazing part about the whole J.K. Scott experience, too, is when he finally got to speak to the media at the Sugar Bowl after the SC Championship game and then the Sugar Bowl, before the Sugar Bowl, it was shocking when I found out he was 5'8", 95 pounds when he was a ninth grader. Uh, there, he's, he's not the first one to hit a growth spurt, but that's just stunning because he's now a 6'4 kid who's, you know, about 190 pounds, and you're sitting there thinking, wow, four years ago he weighed 100 pounds less and was six or seven inches shorter. And now he, you know, is the best punter in college football. I mean, he surpassed – I knew he had a lot of ability when Alabama signed him, but 
he surpassed my expectations. Just it was amazing. I, I've just never seen. And and Cody Mandel was a very solid punter at Alabama, but he just dwarfed Cody. And it's like uh, uh, he's already been kind of forgotten because of the uh, just the show. Because J.K. Scott directly won, in my opinion, uh, Thomas. Uh, two or three, four, maybe even four games this year. Uh, Mississippi State, Arkansas, you know, and, and, and then Ole Miss, he was probably MVP of that loss. If Alabama had won that game, he would have, uh, you know, had, he would have been heavily considered as MVP of that one as well. He was just a true difference maker at a position that you rarely find them. Absolutely, absolutely. And if there, I'm not, that's, that's one of the very, very bright spots for Alabama moving forward. And, I do want to say, I want to go back, and I've, we've been doing all this bashing through the first 15 minutes. I want to talk a little bit about the 2015 team. We'll get more into that with Redfish when he's on. I think on defense, the future is ridiculously bright. The True. The defensive line could be as terrifying as the 92 defensive line. I mean, it, it could get to that good. There's so much talent there. And... Cyrus Jones has already announced he's coming back. Eddie Jackson will, fingers crossed, be able to go through spring and maybe get better. And if he doesn't, they're only going to be, what, as of this summer, four five-star cornerbacks that are chasing him for playing time? Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's one of those things where I fully, I'm fully cognizant of the fact I just absolutely let the team have it. But the parts that were deficient this past year – are going to get fixed. Now, hopefully Alabama can find some safeties because that's going to be a real interesting thing going forward. And that, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll get Redfish's take on this, but you could see someone like Eddie Jackson move to safety. I've even heard rumors about Tony Brown. Uh, obviously, the two early enrollees, Ronnie Harrison and Deontay Thompson, will be thrown into the fire. They were announced today. And, uh, and then another big addition to the defensive line we're going to talk to William Barger about was announced today, you know, uh, as far as – is Jonathan Taylor. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think they have a chance to be really good. The key is going to be, Thomas, in my opinion, what they the one thing they need is Reggie Ragland to come back to school. I uh, absolutely a, agree. There's a lot of speculation about that. He, he got a good grade, I think, around a late first, early second round grade or a second round grade for the draft. I still think he's not ready. I think he needs more game experience and seasoning. I think he would – behoove him to be able to move over to Mike next year and be the signal caller, continue to mature as a player. The, the transition to the NFL would be seamless. Uh, he, would, he would have a, good, a great chance to be a captain and, and maybe be a first-rounder because nobody saw him having 90-some-odd tackles this year. He proved everybody he could play, and now uh, he could help move, bring along a guy like Reuben Foster next year, Sean Dion, also Dylan Lee. So he's a guy they need from a production standpoint to come back. He's crucial. No, you're absolutely right. I think think if there's one guy on defense you very desperately want to come back, it is Reggie Ragland. I think Reuben Foster hits people really hard, but in hitting people really hard, he's never going to be able to stay on the field. Uh, Kerry made a great point to me off air while we were working the Sugar Bowl week. Sean Deion Hamilton can pick pick up the defense, but it's – that's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask of a true sophomore, in my opinion. Could it happen? Absolutely. But that's a lot to ask. So, again, the future's bright. And another thing, Drew, we can say that's just kind of should be obvious, but we haven't, we haven't said it explicitly. You and I are grumbling about a 12-2 and season. You know, 
there there are about 115 programs in the country that would love to be in Alabama's position. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that, there's no doubt about that. Um, I, I think the future stuff. The the old, uh, you know, listening to Feinbaum today was humorous. You know, there's no dynasty. The dynasty's over. They hadn't won anything in two years. Yada yada yada. Urban Meyer owns Saban. I mean, which is a joke. I mean, uh, to be honest, Urban Meyer almost. I'll I'll quote a Barry Switzer tweet you probably saw. One of the dumbest coaching decisions I have ever seen was throwing that deep ball, trying to rub it in Saban, Coach Saban, and in my opinion, Alabama's face to uh, to 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 salt that game away late when all you needed to do was run the ball and not give Alabama the football back, yeah. run the clock and give them the ball back with about 20 seconds left. Instead, he decides he's going to be Urban Meyer and try to, okay, I, you know, I remember what y'all did to me at Florida, in my opinion. I'm going deep here for the dagger. And, of course, Urban admitted after the game he thought he may have screwed it up. Uh, yeah, Coach, I think so, because Alabama was throwing for the uh, for uh, a Hail Mary into the end zone at the end of the game. But, you know, uh, but still, I think Alabama's future is very bright. We saw what Lane Kiffin did in one year. I uh, would love to see what he could do in another and uh, and see how he, how he develops the next quarterback. And uh, I, I'm not, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but we could have another wild card that we're about to speak on in a few minutes in the quarterback battle. And if it, and if it did come to pass, could be a game-changing uh, transfer. Now, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Does his, does his name start with B and end with Raxton Miller? Yeah, he, yeah, he, uh, he was he was he was front and center in New Orleans. He saw the game and he front you know firsthand, and he's more than likely going to move on. Urban is trying to spin it to say that he's told he's he told uh, Coach Meyer he's going to return. But the key was, and I did some research on this. Braxton Miller has not commented publicly on any of it, and you know I think that obviously with the JT Barrett's year this year. Uh, in his uh, development, it's going to be very hard to tell one of those two young men that you're going to go back to the bench. You're already, you already may have to tell that to Cardell Jones, who won their two biggest games of the year. And if he wins the national championship game against Oregon, I mean, my goodness. So you're going to have three, three quarterbacks, Thomas, in one ball. And it makes the most sense for Braxton to transfer. He's already graduated. And I've already, I've already heard this stuff about a release. But once you graduate, they really can't tell you where to go. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, and he's already done that. Now, I don't. he will not transfer to a school in the Big Ten. But, you know, we'll talk about a few. But I definitely think Alabama's involved. It's just we'll find out how much, you know, after Monday. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't mean to. Steal you and Redfish's thunder. I just... Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's been a big, it's been a very big conversation piece the last couple of days because Thomas, you know, I did as I was researching the article I wrote about it a couple of days ago. Um, I knew the the it was the uh, fifth year transfer phenomenon had started in the mid two thousands, and you know it really started in two thousand six, and he would be the most high profile fifth year guy ever. Because the only other one is that's even close, in to my memory, is Russell Wilson. And when it happened to him, him going from NC State to Wisconsin, it was not thought to be it was a, a huge game changer, but it really was. And he ended up getting them to the Rose Bowl. They won the Big Ten championship, and now he's gone on to you know become a Super Bowl winning quarterback in the NFL. 
in hindsight, it really was a game changer. But uh, Braxton Miller has an even better resume. He's the two-time Big Ten player of the year, two-time Big Ten offensive player of the year, 3,000 rushing yards, 5,000 passing yards. And if his shoulder is, 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 is correct, he's such a dynamic athlete. If you're Alabama, Oregon, or Florida State, you would be certifiably out of your mind not to pursue him. Yeah. Oh, I I completely agree. If if we want to harken back to the beginning of the season, everyone thought Ohio State was just done when Miller got hurt right. with that shoulder Correct. injury. You're, you are absolutely right, Will. Miller have not have the blanket that is Amari Cooper. He won't have the blanket that is Amari Cooper. That is unfortunate. But still a ton of talent. And you've got to think, this is kind of what drives me nuts about Derrick Henry. I'm, I'm, gonna bash, I'm not going to bash Derrick Henry because Carrie and I had the chance to meet Derrick Henry's parents uh, while we were in New Orleans. But he goes nuts in the Sugar Bowl, and then he kind of – kind of stutters, the engine kind of sputters a little bit and misses a, misses a shift throughout the season. But you've got to think with him being the feature back, and Yeldon's gone, but he, has, he might not have announced yet, but given Yeldon's injuries, he's off to the league barring an absolutely terrible grade, which I've seen nowhere. With Henry, the feature back, you've got to be able to think that the zone read with Derrick Henry and Braxton Miller would be just nasty. Nasty in a good way, but nasty for everyone else. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And then the one position, and we'll ask William Barger about this, that I don't think there is a clear front runner for, for said position going into the spring, and Kerry Clark and I have discussed it as well, he's about to come on with us, is H-back. I don't really think there's somebody that's just there that you're looking at that you're saying, okay, he's going to be the guy. That will be interesting to see how that plays out in the spring with Jalston Fowler moving on. Absolutely, and you mentioned Dalton Fowler. I'm saying this on air so you can hold my feet to the fire on it. I'm going to cover the Sugar Bowl, and I'm going to try and move heaven and earth to get him on BAM. So. The Senior Bowl, yes. Yeah, Senior Bowl. Excuse me. I've done the Sugar yeah. Bowl already. <laughs> but uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to cover the Senior Bowl and try and get a former BAMA player on BAMs, and I'm going to focus on Jalston. I had a, the opportunity to talk to him for a while at Media Day, and he's a really good kid. Oh, he is. I, I would love to try to get Big Hero 6 on. I think it would be great. But we've got also Austin Shepard over there. You know, we've got some, a definite presence. We'd, lo- we'd love to be able to get some of those guys on BAM's radio now that their careers have moved. They're moving on to the next level. I think Austin, I, I definitely think Austin can play in the league. I think, you know, Jalston can. And I just want to see how Blake does. You never know. He's already over, you know, surpassed everybody's expectations. So let's see what he does on that stage for a week and then the 24th for the Senior Bowl in Mobile. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we are waiting for Kerry Clark, and the show's gotten a little bit jumbled because I can't call fish and co-host. That that's 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 a little beyond my super. I can't do that much kung fu today. But yes. once we get Kerry uh, to the, to our listeners, once we get Kerry, and he should be on in a minute or two, uh, I'm going to be dropping off and getting redfish, and we'll kick back into the normal twosome. But until then, you've got Drew and I. Drew, I did want to. I kind of. I don't want to get too deep into recruiting yet, but I did want to get your take on some of the commits this week. Carrie and I were busy in New Orleans, obviously, so you were kind of our guy to watch Under Armour and All- Army All-America game. So, so could you yeah. just give us a quick quick, you know, blurb on that real quick? Absolutely, yeah. Alabama got two big commitments. Uh, 
Deron Payne, who we were going to talk to his coach, as we said later, the Shades Valley defensive tackle. He'd been leaning down for a long time. He committed in the second quarter over Auburn and Mississippi State. Big get for Alabama. He had a very good game, very good week, got his weight down, been working with a trainer, uh, Keith Mixon's trainer, his high school teammate. Uh, he was nimble and mobile, and it looked like the old Deron Payne. And uh, he, I thought he looked very good. His team didn't play very well, but he played very well on Team Black, Team Armor. And then, uh, obviously, in the second, in the fourth quarter, Kendall Sheffield, huge commitment. Uh, lightning strike twice, as I put it, the Texas two-step again. Uh, Kendall Sheffield from Missouri City, Texas, five-star corner, commits to the University of Alabama over Texas A&M. And then he admitted that he had known for two to three months, he and his parents, that that's what he was going to do and who he was going to choose. And he's a guy that we've seen with the secondary issues, Tom, if he can make a big impact. Absolutely. And, Drew, let me jump in real quick. I have managed to get one Kerry Clark on the line with us. Kerry, how you doing this evening? I'm just as blessed as I am, folks. There you go. Great to have you back on, Kerry. We've been talking about the Sugar Bowl. Now we're talking a little bit of recruiting. And, you know, and I will say this and segue into this, uh, that we, Alabama may get some more good news in about 48 hours because another standout in that Under Armour game, I felt like one of the top three players on the field, Damian Harris, 16 carries, 110 yards, 36-yard touchdown from Berea, Kentucky, will announce his verbal commitment on Friday afternoon around lunchtime uh, between Alabama, Kentucky, and Ohio State, but it's really Alabama and Kentucky. Know what happened with Matt Elam last year, and you never know in recruiting. Anything could happen even in the next 48 hours. But a lot of indications right now are that Alabama feels good about it and that they could pick up uh, the number one running back in America. In my opinion, in the same class, have the number one running back, number one wide receiver, and the number one quarterback in the country. That's not too bad. You can't beat that. If only could find a corner and turn around the balls in there. <laughs> yeah. We've been, we've been talking to the there. Uh, well, yeah. I hope so. Turn around and balls in the air and make a play on it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you got Minka coming in. Hopefully, you know, he's, he's, he still may take a couple of visits. We'll see. Uh, Rico McGraw, he, he and Minka and Rico McGraw kind of need to be monitored. But Kendall Sheffield's committed. I mean, they've got seven defensive backs. I think at least six of those signed with Alabama. So, And, and they're needed because it's a need position, no doubt about it. You have kind of figure out, you know, why Minka's all of a sudden wanting to take all these visits. Well, there's been a lot of speculation about, um, you know, about the the Alabama's number of defensive backs. But anywhere you go, you're going to have to compete. And Alabama's, if Micah Fitzpatrick is watching it objectively, he watched Alabama late in the season. They need help. And a lot of guys, all the safeties are leaving. Uh, that's wide open. And, you know, there's going to be uh, – and then, you know, Eddie Jackson struggled at corner. You know, still struggled. And so – you got Cyrus Jones, he'll be a senior. So, there, you know, the, the playing time is wide open to earn. Yeah, especially if Minka's willing to try safety. I mean, he, he that, that too. Play. I mean, and I've even heard that's been discussed. I mean, we're, we'll talk about that with, our, with William Barger coming up about what he thinks about the recruiting class and the secondary. I know he'll have some thoughts on that, especially defensively. But, well, I mean, I, I do have Fish on the line if you want to go in and move to him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what? We'll, we'll, William Barger, we will welcome uh, him back into BAMS Radio. He's come. He's been a frequent guest from Alabama Intel, and he's now on with us. William, how are you doing this evening? Well, trying not to turn into Frosty the Snowman, Drew. <laughs> I can imagine we all are. Uh, even Thomas and Mobile. 
But uh, <laughs> just to segue into it, uh, William, we'll ask you about that. We we, we were just discussing uh, the Alabama secondary going to the spring. I know that's kind of your favorite time of the year, the practices and getting to see the young guys. I mean, we'll get your thoughts on the Sugar Bowl briefly in a minute, but what are your thoughts on the secondary? Because there's a lot of holes to fill uh, going into spring 2015. You know, I've been trying to explain this away, you know, the same way with with different people for the last week. And and I think if you you think about it, um, you know, I think a lot of Alabama fans are, are looking for, you know, answers and pointing the fingers at different position groups and different coaches and, You know, the best way that I can explain it away to people is this way. You know, if you look back two years ago um, when when Alabama had a a legitimate first-round draft pick playing cornerback for him back there in D. Milner, um, big drop-off from him to what's out there today. Um, And and I look at, you know, the back end of the defense in in two different ways. It's, It's not just the DBs, but it's also the linebackers. And when you look at just last year, um, who the, the, the three-down linebacker was, and what I mean by that is a guy that doesn't get substituted out from run, run situations to pass situations, uh, C.J. Mosley, you know, who's the uh, finalist for the NFL Rookie of the Year, um, when you look at his skill set versus what was there this year in Trey DePriest, big drop-off. Um, if, if you look at what happened this year with the, the defensive line or, or the front seven, I should say, um, as far as rushing the passer, Alabama had seven more sacks this year than they did in 2013 up front, and the back end of the defense still went backwards. So that leads me to believe that the issues are in the back end of the defense. Um, I really think that the defensive line or you know, the rabbit package, whatever way you want to coin the phrase, they did their part with getting more pressure on the quarterback um, in passing situations. And, you know, there was big holes back there in the secondary. Um, you know, like you were saying, I was listening before y'all brought me on, you know, there is a, a an issue back there. There is a lot of playing time available for guys like Minka Fitzpatrick and Deontay Thompson, Ronnie Harrison. Um you know, you know. Obviously, Thompson's going to be a safety. Harrison and Fitzpatrick, I think, have the the skill set, the versatility, and and the size to you know either factor in at corner or safety wherever they end up putting them. Um, but certainly, I think that you know Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are going to have to come up with a better solution than what was available to them this year um, in the secondary. Absolutely, William. I 100% agree. Um, and I, I and I wanted to also transition to. I know you have excellent sources. And what are you uh, what are you hearing as far as we Thomas and I just got through discussing it about the the futures of some of these guys going to the NFL. Obviously, the top three everybody knows about them. Uh, you know, we all expect Yeldon, Landon, Collins, and Amari Cooper to turn pro. But there's two guys that could be crucial next year to the defense. Uh, Jaron Reed, who did say at media day he was coming back, but that can always be he can always change his mind. And then also Reggie Ragland, who the sources close to the coaching staff said was fifty fifty while they were down there in New Orleans. What are you hearing? Is there any new information on that? 
Uh, you know, I'm still hearing that Jaron Reed is still leaning more towards coming out and uh, basically the same thing that you just said on Reggie Ragland. Um, I still do think that's kind of a 50-50 type situation. Um, you know, he got a pretty favorable grade back from the NFL um, on his draft status. Um you know, again, as an Alabama fan, I hope he comes back. But, you know, as, as somebody that's a Reggie Ragland fan, I hope Reggie ends up doing what's best for Reggie and his family. But, I, you know, I think we're probably going to have to wait until, uh, you know, next week to find that out. Um, don't really have a definitive answer one way or the other. I still do think that situation's 50-50. William, uh, regarding the coaching carousel, uh, which continues to turn around. Is it a coincidence that Jim McElwain has not yet filled his wide receiver position in Florida? Try me one more time, Kerry. There was a big echo there. Uh, regarding the coaching carousel, is it just coincidence that the uh, wide receiver coaching position has not been filled yet by Jim McElwain? Is the one we all know that may be in line for that? Um, yeah, I think that's certainly something to pay attention to. Um, you know, I, I know why you're asking the question because it it involves uh, Alabama's current wide receiver coach, Billy Napier. Um, you know, obviously he's got a lot of um, experience, you know, worked for Jim McElwain at Colorado State, uh, you know, worked for a year with, uh, um, you know, Doug Nussmeyer. Um, there's certainly some – um, relationships there in that avenue. Um, you know, the, the, the college coaching convention kicks off, I think, Sunday in Louisville, Kentucky, and there's usually a lot of posturing and, and interviews and, and feelers that are put out um, when that thing goes for the next couple of days into next week. And it's funny how they do it. You know, it kicks off during the tail end of the dead period and runs until the dead period's over with. And, uh, you know, they get back into the recruiting mode. But, yeah, I think that's probably a situation to pay attention to. Um, you know, that there might be some, some mutual interest there on McElwain's end with, with Billy Napier, and there may be some mutual interest on Billy Napier's end to, to you know, get out of Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and, and Fish. Uh, to and to talk about some other news that you uh, that we were able to break at Alabama Intel today. Just I know it's uh, we'll get, we're going to transition a little bit into the recruiting once again, but kind of just to update our listeners on the Calvin Ridley situation because that was something everybody was monitoring because Alabama announced eight early enrollees and they were hoping to add a ninth, but that doesn't seem to be the case now with Calvin. Yeah, you know I think that. Uh... You know, Calvin Ridley did everything that he possibly could to uh, become an early enrollee, and, and in this particular case, it didn't work out. Um, you know, I was able to confirm about 6, 6.15 tonight that he's not going to be an early enrollee. Um, he, you know, tried to take the ACT, um, you know, in December to make up for some other deficiencies on his transcript and didn't get the required score to overcome some of those deficiencies. But but from what I'm being told, there doesn't seem to be a lot of concern um, for, for having him to be a full qualifier to, you know, come in at the end of May and enroll then. 
Um, so you know, hopefully he'll be able to, you know, clean up his academic situation over the next couple of months and come in and you know at the end of May when the um, the guys that aren't early enrollees, you know, start showing up in Tuscaloosa. William, uh, we touched on this briefly, I think, before you came on, but uh, there's been a lot of talk and comparison between the current recruitment of uh, running back Damian Harris and then last year's recruitment of massive nose guard Matt Ingham. But it seems like even uh, some of the uh, Kentucky folks are starting to get the feeling that uh, Mr. Harris might well be headed to Tuscaloosa. What is, what's your take on that announcement coming up Friday? Um. You know, I'm still on the fence with it, Kerry. Um, you know, I've, I've seen this same situation play out, you know, time after time after time over the years. Certainly the the Elam recruitment last year is, is still fresh on everybody's mind. You know, you see it, you know, almost on an annual basis with Mississippi kids. Um, you know, and I've tried to, you know, tell our subscribers at Alabama Intel um, maybe not to necessarily pay a lot of attention to what Damian Harris says or doesn't say this coming Friday. Uh, let's wait to see who he signs up with on National Signing Day. Um, you know, I've been told uh, for months now that, you know, he wasn't necessarily uh, the top guy at the running back position on the Alabama recruiting board that Johnny Frazier was. Um, but because of some extenuating circumstances in Frazier's personal life, that maybe, you know, Harris gets the first right of refusal, so to speak, on the, the commitment. Um, you know, all I can do is, is, is put myself into, you know, Damian Harris's position. Um, if he wants to go to Alabama, the worst possible thing he can do is to show up at his high school, which is about 40 minutes um, from Lexington, and, and put an Alabama football cap on his head Friday. Um, that's just going to increase the pressure. Um, I don't think his, his uh, mother has favored him staying home and going to Kentucky during the recruiting process. Um, but, you know, there's, there is some momentum um, you know, I think it's taken place in Alabama's favor since the Under Armour game this past weekend. But, but I'm still, you know, taking the, uh, you know, I'm from the Show Me State, Missouri approach with this thing. Um, you know, a lot of things, just like y'all saw, you know, over the weekend with, with the Lawrence Cager uh, commitment to Miami after everybody, you know, predicting, you know, 12 hours prior that he was coming to Alabama. These things could change on a, on a dime. Um, but right now, I do think Alabama has a lot of momentum with Damian Harris. We're just going to have to wait and see, you know, not only who does he select on Friday, but who does he select when he signs on the dotted line on National Signing Day. Well, and, and William, I wanted to ask you about uh, another development today that, you know, we were, we had on Alabama Intel as well. We've been reporting it for weeks, and we were on top of it, but... What you, I know there was no film for you to evaluate, I mean, because he only played there uh, for this one semester, but what is your take on Alabama taking Jonathan Taylor and what kind of impact you think he can make? I mean, I've heard a lot of things that Bo Davis really likes the kid and that he could make a Terrence Cody-like impact at nose guard, but what is, I know without having seen film, it's hard, but what is your take on the whole Jonathan Taylor situation and what he could do at Alabama? 
I mean, you know, taking the, the legal troubles out of the, the equation, um, you know, I've got a pretty good source over at Georgia right now and, and was told by him uh, that, that, you know, Taylor is, is a zero-technique nose guard. That's all that he is. Um, he's he's kind of a, you know, he's got motor issues. He, he doesn't really like to go 100% all the time. But when he does decide to go, that it's virtually impossible, even with a double-team block, to knock him off the line of scrimmage at the point of attack. Um, I, I think what you just said about him being, uh, you know, Terrence Cody part uh, two um, goes right along with what I've been told about him. Um, you know, I think with if you, if you look at, you know, what Alabama is losing at the nose guard position, obviously Brandon Ivory's gone. Uh, you know, Darren Lake has yet to establish himself at that position. Um, you know, Deron Payne is, is coming in as a true freshman. Probably needs a year before he's ready to, um, you know, establish him, himself at that position. I think Jonathan Taylor was a, a big pickup for Alabama um, because what it'll do is allow Bo Davis to put Sean Robinson back at the five-technique defensive end position. Um, you know, they've got, you know, with the, with the, you know, the understanding that maybe Jaron Reed's going pro, um, you know, they've got another young kid on the team that I think is more Sean Robinson and Jaron Reed-like versus just being a zero-technique nose guard um, and Josh Frazier. But, you know, it's a neat position if you want to run a 3-4 scheme, which obviously, you know, Nick and Kirby do. Um, you know, he's a guy that can hold the point of attack and run situations, um, go line and short yardage situations, but certainly not somebody that you're going to look out there and, and hope that he gets pressure on the quarterback. He's he's a run stuffer. He's a two-gap control guy, and that's all that he is. Regarding the off-the-field part, we uh, – and for those those of our listeners that don't know, William played at Alabama as, as a letterman from ninety ninety three and William had a teammate that, that got a second chance uh after some DUI issues more than one, uh, from Coach Gene Stallings and, and that type of second chance probably turned the young man's life around rather than just nothing out the street. So what do you feel, having seen that and then now seeing this, what do you feel, William, about the second chance aspect of this, not the football aspect? Well, number one, I, I've been told that, you know, the, the domestic violence aspect of, uh, you know, Taylor's bad behavior, you might see those charges, you know, reduced, maybe even dropped um, as the legal process continues. Um, you know, I've been told by my sources at Georgia um, that had it not been for, you know, him, um, you know, trying to commit the check cashing fraud with his Pell Grant money, um, that they would have taken him back based on the information that they've got in their hands um, on the domestic violence end of the deal. Um, you know, I think that, you know, um, you, know you, you were talking and touching on the, you know, the David Palmer situation that I lived through. And, you know, I, I never will forget Coach Stallings coming into the, the team meeting room um, when he was getting raked over the coals by the media, when, you know, when David had the back-to-back DUIs, and, you know, he basically looked all of us in the eyes and said, look, um, you know, David Palmer needs this team a lot more than this team needs David, which I don't necessarily know 
uh, you know, 22, 23 years after the fact, if that was a true statement. But um, I think the principles and the, the philosophy that went into that decision was certainly true at the time. But, you know, I think that, you know, the, the gold standard in this whole deal um, is what, you know, Nick Saban has been able to do in the last 12 months with D.J. Petway. Um, you know, the majority of Alabama fans were not in favor of, of Nick Saban bringing D.J. Petway back, even though his involvement in that incident was a little bit overblown, in my opinion. I'm not trying to minimize what he did do with, with some bad judgment. But, you know, he's come back. He's been a model citizen, uh, turned into a team leader. Um, he's going to start, you know, work on his master's degree later this week and, you know, hasn't even, uh, you know, gotten a demerit on the bad behavior board since he's been back. So, um, you know, I think what, what Nick Saban is trying to tell everybody is, you know, I think you saw him kind of do the same thing, um, you know, outside of the spotlight because he wasn't a part of the team anymore with Rolando McClain. Um, you know, a lot of these kids come from single-parent homes without a father in play um, can can thrive and can overcome a lot of their bad decisions that they've made, you know, as a 19, 20, 21-year-old kid. Um, and, and if they can stick to the structure um, and stick to the plan that the coaching staff lays out in front of them, you know, this thing's going to work out in one of two ways. It's either going to work out the way that D.J. Petway has or it's going to turn into another Deron Carter-type situation where he gets so many demerit points on the discipline board that he flushes out of the program in 12 months. So there really isn't a lot of flexibility. There isn't really a lot of um, debating that goes on in these types of situations. He's got a, a plan in front of him that he's got to follow. Uh, you know, anger management classes, community service, um, you know, walking the straight and narrow. And if he does that, then, you know, you might see him in the program for two years, you know, much like you're going to see in year two of DJ Petway. If he doesn't, then he'll be like Deron Carter and he'll be gone in 12 months. Well, Redfish, changing gears real quick from that, that potentially sticky situation to another transfer situation. What can you tell us about the rumors swirling around Braxton Miller potentially coming to Alabama? Um, what I can tell you is, you know, there, there is mutual interest between Braxton Miller and the Alabama coaching staff. Um, I, you know, I still don't think that he is going to end up at Alabama. Um, I hope I'm wrong on that on, on one hand. But, uh, you know, if I'm Braxton Miller, um, and, you know, I posted this on the website today, um, you know, the best situation for his skill set when you consider that Marcus Mariota is going pro, um, you know, in a couple of weeks, is for him to go out to Oregon, uh, sit down and have a face-to-face meeting with Phil Knight, the, the CEO of Nike, and get a written deal in hand that he gets a job with Nike when his football days are over with, either with Oregon or uh, in the NFL. And, you know, to me, that's the best situation for him. Um, you know, but, but there is legitimate interest. There has been uh, meetings and, and face-to-face contact between Braxton Miller and the Alabama coaching staff. 
I, I just don't think it's going to work out in Alabama's favor in this particular situation. Well, Fish, if it were to work out in Alabama's favor, and you make a compelling case, what would that mean for the team coming into next year? Um, what I think it would mean, and I, I think that, you know, you could make this argument with what's happened up to this point, is maybe Nick Saban, you know, during the the ball practices, looked out there and didn't like what he saw with his quarterback situation, you know, with the depth at that position. Um, you know, me personally, um, you know, I, I was able to watch one bowl practice, and I was very impressed with what I saw out of Jacob Coker. Um, you know, as a backup in 2014, he was a 65% passer, had four touchdowns, zero interceptions. I think there's enough of a of a talent, you know, level and skill set there for Lane Kiffin to work with, and he could be a, a very prolific starter at quarterback for Alabama next year. But behind him. Um, you know, it's still a crapshoot, in my opinion. You've got Alec Morris, who, you know, hasn't really distinguished himself. You've got Cooper Bateman, um, who, who really hasn't distinguished himself. And, you know, and then you've got the, you know, the true freshman, David Cornwell, who I really haven't gotten a chance to see enough of to offer an informed opinion on. Um, but, you know, if you're asking about strictly Braxton Miller, my response would be um, he was a Heisman Trophy candidate. He was a 65% uh, 65% passer um, that could stroll right in and pick right up where Blake Sims left off. We wanted to ask you, uh, with, with what transpired at the Under Armour game and all the recruiting that was going on, especially by the Alabama guys, uh, and, and getting back to your comment about what somebody says when they commit and what somebody does on Sunday, often it's two different things. Uh, is there a little bit of momentum trending now with maybe Alabama getting back in it and maybe even taking a little lead for Drew Richmond? Yeah, I mean, I, I think really that's been – you know, Kerry initiated more by Drew Richmond than, than the Alabama coaching staff. I think he, uh, you know, reinitiated the contact. Not that they've stopped recruiting him. Um, now, I will say this. Um, when you look at what happened to Laramie Tunsil in Ole Miss's bowl game, um, you know, him getting his leg snapped, um, now all of a sudden he becomes even more of a priority for Ole Miss. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy that, that I really wasn't that high on back in May, um, you know, at the end of the, the combine circuit. Um, you know, he, he had a little bit of a sloppy body, uh, was very lazy uh, during his past steps. But he showed up at the Under Armour game and, you know, had a, a sleeker physique, uh, you know, won more battles than he lost with, you know, the five-star defensive end Byron Cowart. And, you know, if he can block Byron Coward, he can factor in in a hurry in the SEC as an offensive tackle. Um, you know, right now, if I had to put a, a pecking order on the three offensive tackles left on the Alabama recruiting board, you know, I would say it's Drew Richmond one. Uh, you know, the, the Valentine kid who's got great issues over in Atlanta and, and Isaiah Prince third, um, you know, just because he seems to have a – you know, a strong, 
um, desire to maybe stay home and stay at Maryland. Well, and William, and one other recruiting note, uh, obviously Alabama, uh, you know, they've decided not to take Cager at this time. But uh, what uh, they obviously want to take one or two more receivers. Uh, where, where do you see them going as far as wide receiver to close out the class? Obviously, they want to run him back. They'd like to take a, an offensive tackle. They've only got, now that Taylor's in the house, probably three to four spots, depending on, you know, attrition. But where, uh, where, do, you, where do you see Alabama going as far as wide receiver? You know, there's, there's still some involvement with K.J. Hill out in Arkansas. Um, you know, the, the Dale and Charlotte, Charlotte, however it's pronounced, um, it's almost like a daily, you know, soap opera with him. You know, I think the staff gets conflicting information from him daily. Um, maybe they feel like they're going to keep him. Maybe they feel like he's going to flip. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me um, if, if Alabama whiffs on you know, Drew Rich, Drew Richmond, the Valentine kid, and Isaiah Prince, that maybe they decide to take two wide receivers to go along with, um, you know, one running back, whether it's Damian Harris or Johnny Frazier. Um, you know, the Cager recruitment, you know, in my opinion, uh, he, he's a kid that I really value. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of, uh, um, you know, Minuscule stuff away from him being six foot five. He's a six foot ten high jumper. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm a big, big proponent of you know tall, long, wide receivers in the mold of Mike Evans from Texas A&M a couple years ago. Um, you know, if you look at a, a Mike Williams, I mean a Mike Evans, you know, matched up with a Cyrus Jones, you know, six five versus five eight. Uh, the big man wins nine times out of ten. Um, you know, the fact that he's still coming in for an official visit on January the 16th tells me that he still is wanting badly a, a committable offer from Alabama. Uh, but, that, you know, that's a real fluid situation, I think, a wide receiver. Um, there's a couple of, uh, you know, guys down in Florida um, that they're still involved with that, you know, may or may not become a, you know, an A'shaun Robinson-type national signing day surprise. Um, so I think that's something, that's a position to really pay attention to. If, if Alabama doesn't get, you know, one of those three guys that they want as an offensive tackle prospect in this class, you might see them take two wide receivers, um, you know, going forward on national signing day. Well, we met, as always, man, it's a quick uh, half hour, the great stuff. Uh, very informative as you always are coming on our show and we appreciate it and then now we hope you can go, you're going to be somewhere warm tonight where you we won't be an icicle i think we're all bundled up but we appreciate you coming on bams again man and we hope to have you on again soon all right thank you guys appreciate it we we are redfish barger friend of the show former Alabama offensive lineman current recruiting analyst for alabama in com. Always good to have him. I was going to ask him before that and go, but I'll ask you this, Drew, because I know you know because y'all talk so much. Uh, re- regarding the left tackle situation, if they don't end up getting one this class, and I don't think any of us know if they're going to get one or not, if they don't, is, is Alabama still in, in good shape with DJ Price from Metro Atlanta and Willie Allen from Louisiana? 
Uh, they're in good shape for Willie Allen. E.J. Price uh, is more of a Georgia-Auburn situation. And now mm-hmm. to add something that William Barger broke this week, I'll give him full credit for this. Uh, E.J. Price will not be back at Central Gannett High School. He has transferred to Archer High School for his senior season. So we'll see about that. I think Alabama's Alabama, but Alabama has not offered EJ yet. He's uh, he's uh, a guy they like a lot. They want him to come to camp. I think Willie Allen may be ahead of him in the pecking order, but I would not be surprised this summer, Kerry, if Alabama tried to turn up the heat on EJ Price. You know, I I may be wrong about this, Drew, but but I, I want to say that when when we were uh, interviewing one of the prospects, he told us that that Terry Jones Jr. had had left Tucker to become the offensive coordinator at Archer. I want to say, when we were talking to Jonathan Ledbetter. Um, but anyway, that would be interesting if that's the case. But uh, anyway, we have completed hour number one here on BAMS Radio. So with the permission of our esteemed producer, Thomas Watts of Touchdown, Alabama, I think we'll just take a couple minutes breaks, and then we'll come back and we will take some calls from our listeners. We always love to hear from you guys on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline. But for now, we'll go ahead and break. You're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Take Bama Sports Radio with you on the go and in your car with the free iPhone app. With cutting-edge features including live broadcast, on-demand radio, play pause buttons, and text connect, allowing you to text into shows giving True Tide fans an interactive sports radio experience like never before. Go to BamaSportsRadio.com or search Bama Sports Radio in the iPhone App Store to get true 24-hour radio on Alabama sports anywhere in the world, only from Bama Sports Radio. Keep up with Bama Sports Radio off the air and on the move for the latest news and programming on all things Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Bama Sports Radio and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bama Sports Radio. Bama Sports Radio, giving you all tide, all the time.
Hour number two of Bands Radio. It is three minutes after the hour, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours. And again, we do invite callers to join us this hour on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. That number is 714-510-3707. Again, the number to call us, <coughs> Marty, if you're listening, is 714-510-3707. And that is the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline brought to you by Big Heads Old Fashioned Barbecue Catering Service. Down there in Baldwin County, Alabama, you can go on the web and read the menu at BigHeadsBBQ.net. And you can also follow them on Twitter, that's at BigHeadsBBQ. And uh, you can check it out, and that will tell you how to get a hold of Big Head Chuck, who is the king of homemade barbecue sauce, as well as other just delicious dishes they have, all kind of barbecue, any kind of meat you can name, wonderful side items like slaw and baked beans and uh, you can reach them at uh, 251-379-0094, and uh, you can also email them at uh, bighead at bigheadsbbq.net. So call us on that Big Heads Barbecue Hotline, 714-510-3707, and we already have a caller on hold. I'm glad to announce your friend and mine, the pride of Greenville, Alabama, Colin Big C. McGuire. What is going on, buddy? It is cold down here, Big <laughs> I know. Well, um, is Drew in the audience with you, or are you by yourself tonight? Uh, I'm um, here, Big C. Good to hear from you, man. Thank you. Happy New Year to both of y'all. Thank you. Same to you. Well, I'm going to say that this past year, the season was a great year, but it ended in a disappointment in losing the Ohio State. But, um, but um, whatever we can get tough with them boys from Ohio. But, uh, yep, uh, it, it was tough. Uh, as you know, I was down there for them and, uh, Get your mic, Drew. I was tough. Uh, it, it was tough. Uh, the Ohio State fans, though, they were they were pretty gracious. They they remind me a lot of Alabama fans. They uh they know how to win. They know how to lose. And they they showed class, and none of them really rubbed it in too bad, other than in a very good natured way. Uh, it was an exciting atmosphere. It was exciting to be part of the first playoff, and I definitely had some good bills while I was in New Orleans last week. We could do a whole segment on just my food reviews. But uh, what what was your impressions on the game, Big C? Well, I thought started out. Well, I know the offense was having problems, but still jumped on them twenty-one to six. And uh, whatever reason, now a friend of mine thinks the game's turned started turning around. The momentum of the game started turning around after that pounding penalty was called on that kickoff return by the, when Ruben Foster made that great tackle on that play. I don't know if it was or not, but really the. Scoring two touchdowns with two minutes left in the half before the half made me feel very uneasy, and then they scored right at the beginning of the second half. And as you know, Coach Bryant had a 
say in the last five minutes of the first half and the first five minutes of the second half were very important in a ball game. And you look back, got outscored 21 to nothing right there. And um, and then, you know, uh, I don't know. I wish they'd let uh, Henry run the ball more. I know we're throwing the ball a lot more this year, but he was, uh, he was, run, he was running like a wild man that night down there. But the defense didn't play well. Then, like, when he got the ball back, I don't know how much time was left again, but, you know, that pump that dropped back, bounced back to the 24. And that interception right there, you know, we'll never know, but if Alabama could have gone ahead right then and there, that might have turned the whole ball game around, but we'll never really know. And then given that long I run. Yeah. Huh? That, that long run. Huh? I was disappointed, though, on that punch you're talking about where we took over through 23. I was yeah, disappointed they tried to throw the ball on first down. I thought they had been running the whole night behind Cam Robinson with Derrick Henry, uh, and, yeah. and they went away from that. And I feel like when they had that first down on the Ohio State 23 and were only down six, I feel like if they had run the ball there, they would have gone back ahead. I, don't, uh, I think Kiffin got greedy, and I think he called a pass that, it might have worked if it made a great pass, but at the same time, you're having that kind of success running behind your all-SEC freshman All-American left tackle with big old 242-pound Derrick Henry. you got to go with that, man. Quit, quit trying to be cute. You know, Take the headphones back from Mike Shula and, and put them on Lane Kiffin's head and, and let's call them right. They, they should have ran it there. I'll go to my grade book in that. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. But, um... But I feel like, despite losing the game, I think, I sort of get a feeling like they're going to be motivated for next year to go because they're going to come back, which I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. Um, now I read on the inter- on Facebook on your Intel thing, what is the story on this Miller guy? You think he might come to Alabama or Drew, or what do you know? Well, you know, we we were able to break that story. We were fortunate at uh, Big C, and it could happen. Um his top three schools right now. Uh, if he if he decides to leave Ohio State, and I think that's in the ninety percentile, but I think his top three are Oregon, Alabama, and uh, Florida State. I would think Oregon would have to be the favorite because of offensive style and fit. But again, he uh, enjoyed himself, uh, you know, hanging out with Jalen Fowler and his childhood best friend, Big C, was Trey Priest. They played uh, pee wee football and middle school football together before. Braxton moved and transferred to another high school, but they were at each other's uh, commitment announcements when they committed to Alabama and Ohio State, respectively. They're very close. Braxton, when he, when he set out this year, he had to have his labrum repaired by Dr. James Andrews. He did a lot of rehab in Birmingham. Trey DePriest came to see him several times. So he's familiar with the Alabama program. You know, he enjoyed himself being around our, our guys. And, again, our, uh, Dr. Lyle Kane checked him out medically. I think his shoulder is going to be okay. The the next step to see how truly serious it is is if he's going to have to act quickly after the national championship game to enroll early for spring or enroll for spring practice, is is he going to set up a visit to the campus? And if he does so, then you can maybe start to, you know, hold your breath a little bit. But I think right now they're in the mix, and they would have to be crazy not to want to be because he's the most high-profile fifth-year free agent, if you want to call it, that there's ever been. Oh yeah. Oh my. Um. Now that now we'll 
if he comes, what would happen with Jacob Coker? I guess he'd be in the background, huh? What do you, or would they give, or would they have a real spirited um, competition this spring? You think? Well, I think they would both compete, Big C. Uh, they, they would, they would make uh, Braxton, even as accomplished as he is, compete. But let's not get it twisted. Braxton is an elite talent. He would win the job, in my opinion. Then you would probably see Jake after the spring move on to a one double A school where he could play immediately as a senior and uh, get some game experience and get a chance to start. But you know, if if Braxton does not choose Alabama, then Jake's going to be the leader in the clubhouse. He's improved and he's going to have a chance to go out there and earn the job. But it's far from a certainty. He's got to go out and do it once again. Everybody thought he'd beat out Blake Sims, did not. So he's going to have to go out there and compete. Uh, Cooper Bateman and Allie Morris were wildly inconsistent in practice this year. You know, David Cornwell has, is still raw, is, is going to be a redshirt freshman, still got a ways to go, I think, mentally and physically. And then the truly elite talent, we didn't talk about him with Redfish, but Blake Barnett will be going through spring. He's there now. So, But you really don't want – he needs to gain 25 pounds of muscle, and he will get, be given a chance to compete for the job, but you really don't need a true freshman quarterback starting because a lot of times that, lead, that doesn't lead to a lot of success. Even though he is an elite talent, the ideal situation for Blake Barnett, and it wouldn't – you know, Braxton Miller wouldn't affect him, would be to wait his turn, uh, build up his frame, get bigger – and then really uh, make a run at that starting job as a redshirt freshman when Alabama plays the Southern Cal Trojans in Dallas, Texas, uh, in two years. Wow. We appreciate you calling, man. we got, a, uh, we got another you. guy on hold now waiting to come in. But uh, appreciate you calling, Bama. Hey, hey, uh, Caller Big Steve McGuire from uh, Greenville, Alabama. Uh, Thank you, are going to bring on another caller who's been wait, waiting patiently. Uh, Brian, you're on with Bama's radio. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How y'all doing tonight? Doing good. That's good. That's good. good, Brian. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we um, lost that game. I had a few questions um, about what happened uh, last Thursday and also the future. Um, beginning last Thursday, um, I was noticing we had a lot of success running the tall sweep. Um, in y'all opinion, why do you think we just stopped doing that? I think well, that's a $64,000 question, to be honest. I think we got a little hard-headed on the offensive coordinator headset, Brian. Okay. Yeah, I would agree with Kerry. I think they should have run two to three more times. and I think they should have kept feeding Derek. I think he should have had 20 carries. Cause even though he he flashed some of his ability, it was obvious that uh, T.J. Yeldon was not himself, was banged up. And, and then everybody thought we we thought Tyron Jones would have a small role offensively. But then Tyron being Tyron, as he has been during his career in the last um, meeting, one of the last uh, t- uh, position meetings before they left for New Orleans, he and Burton Burns exchanged words, and there went Tyron Jones' role offensively in the Sugar Bowl. So he wow. was relegated to special teams. So, you know, I, I think they should have featured Derek Moore. He should have he should have been one of those situations. He had 140 in the SEC championship game. They needed about 140 or 150 out of him. Uh, against Ohio State, and I think I've heard that Lane Kiffin does lament some of those decisions and wishes that he had been uh, a little more uh, run-centric uh, in the in the football game. Mm, okay, okay, yeah, I just it just kind of upset me that we just had success doing it and we just stopped uh, running the talks. We and also um, 
I know y'all brought up earlier, and I just mean as my neighbor was talking about the same thing, that we're going to have to move Eddie Jackson to safety because I don't see him playing the corners. He don't have enough speed to play corner. I don't know. That's my opinion, but I don't know how y'all, no, I know no, y'all I did talk. I want him to move him to nickel. Dime. Dime is even better. <laughs> because the dime don't play that much. I want him to be yeah. a quick guy. I want to see Marlon and Tony out there. Uh, and, and yeah, yeah. I, I want him to go to. I want him to learn that dime. <laughs> he can beat the drill out for that. <laughs> because I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Because he's physical. I can see him playing taking um, Nick Perry position. But speaking of Nick Perry, he played terrible. Um, in the championship game, uh, he just overran that play when a guy ran for the 85-yard touchdown. I don't know how he missed that guy. But I just look at Eddie Jackson. I don't have, he don't have the speed. He just don't have the speed. And this is my thing. I think we play Tony Brown. Um, it's the other corner. And, you know, let Cyrus fight for um, the position. But I think Tony Brown, it should be his time because he's too much of an elite talent and the speed he has. I just Eddie Jackson can't be out there playing corner. If he does next year, we're going to have problems again. Go ahead and get the good picks, Marlon, the nickel this spring, so Marlon can get out there too. Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. Marlon needs time. No yeah. I agree with that. I think the two safeties to start the season. I think the two safeties going to be Geno and Hootie Jones. Well, well I, can I, mean, see, I can see. I can see Hootie as that strong taking um, Landon's place. That's why I always thought anyway. But I don't see. I don't like Geno playing that safety. That, um, Nick Perry position and replace him because I don't think it's physical enough. I just don't like him playing that position. Well, I don't mind Eddie playing it as long as Eddie quit falling down and stuff. And, and the job <laughs> Eddie did in the iron ball, I mean, that was just. I mean, that was terrible. <laughs> I mean, when I saw that, that was just terrible. And he's talking about it, it won't happen again, but it just been happening again and again and again. So he had to change. It didn't man. happen to Drew. <laughs> It didn't happen uh, in Missouri, but then came Ohio State, and he's going to fall down on a long touchdown in the national <laughs> playoff game. Really? Really? You can't do that. Did you not practice on turf all week, Eddie? Did you not know what kind of cleats they have on? Really? That's just, that just terrible, man. But I'm with you on that line. We're going to have to replace them. And um, I know y'all was talking about um, Braxton Miller. I, I don't know. I just I want to see Coker, man. I want to see him. Be our starter. I just I know Braxton Miller's an elite talent, but I just want to see Coker. I think we have enough talent around Coker where we can be um, invincible, man. I just really think that. Well, I I, I I'm gonna be greedy. I want Braxton. If Alabama's <laughs> got a chance to get somebody with that kind of athletic ability, uh, and it, like, I want I, I want to see. I uh, hey, I, I think his shoulder's gonna be okay. We take if we if they take. Braxton Miller, the shoulder will. I know it take. It is a. It is a serious injury, but I think mm-hmm. that they. Uh, they believe he's going to be healthy, and if you could get somebody that dynamic, you look. You see the work Lane Kiffin in six months did with Blake Sims. What could he do with somebody that's even more athletic and even more polished? And uh, yeah. I just would love to see it. Yeah. Uh, and the last question: What's your honest opinion about the performance on Blake Sims uh, in the uh, Sugar Bowl? What was your opinion? I I think it was it was average. I didn't. He missed some plays. But what's your honest opinion? Well, I agree just that, that one game. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, agree, that, I agree game. that uh Brian. I think he I, he was late on the pass. Would have been a TD to OJ Howard, and then just simply right. was a, a terrible read. 
He stared down Amari Cooper on the pick six. Wasn't one of his best games. I still thought he showed a lot of grit, and he brought Alabama back and made some good throws and almost had another miracle comeback. But I just felt yeah. like in his defense, they should have run the ball a little bit more. I mean, but, uh, again, I felt like he was okay. He wasn't great. But, again, I still am so proud of the way he played. And the one right. thing I, I did like about Blake his whole the whole season, he never hung his head. He just kept playing. And uh, right. even after, he never seemed to let it get him down. And he uh, he and he and he fought till the end. And, 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 again, Alabama, as Thomas and I talked about in the opening of the show, they wouldn't have been there without him. And he, uh, right. he, he was the best no quarterback way. in the SEC. Yep, and he proved right it on the field. That. Yep, you are right. So, right. But I'm looking at next year, I say our front seven is going to be nasty, especially if we um, keep um, raggling. It's going to be nasty. Then if we just work on the secondary, we're going to be in the same position again. I just I feel, feel it in my blood, man. I think even in a better yeah, year. I think we can go undefeated in the SEC. I know we have some hard games like Georgia. And I know LSU is going to be better, but I still think we can go undefeated. It's going to be interesting. It's possible. If you get Braxton Miller, your (laughs) expectations are going through the roof. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I'll see you, man. All right, fellas. Anything else, Ryan? Oh, no, that's it, man. I pretty much asked all my questions. I just really – I was really – me and my neighbor, I wanted to bring up – I thought it was the only one thing and the same thing about uh, Eddie Jackson. And y'all just start talking about it early. I'm like, damn, they read, they read in my mind. They feeling the same. Mm-hmm. The same thing I was saying about moving him from corner because he cannot. He doesn't have the speed. Doesn't. I mean, no, he does next year. <laughs> I like your safety uh, he, idea. Yeah, safety. Yeah, he, he got to play safety or something because he's physical enough, but he can't play no corner. Cannot. Cannot. All right, Brian. Roll tide, man. All right, roll tide. Have a good night, okay? All right. Bye. Appreciate it, Brian. I think it's from Birmingham. And, uh, Drew, we've got our next guest uh, lined up. Why don't you go ahead and introduce him, although he knows me just as good as he knows you, but you go ahead. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, he's a first-time guest on BAMS Radio and uh, was able to book him earlier earlier this evening. And we're honored to be joined by former Shades Valley coach and Alabama punter uh, Bill Smith. Who uh, got to is, is coach someone that's uh, uh, very familiar to t- Alabama fans? Well, Coach Smith, welcome into Bams Radio, and we really appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us tonight. Guys, it's it's my pleasure. Good to have you, Bill. Uh, and this is Kerry Clark from Bama Magazine. I always interview you before a game every year. This past year, it was some point. Uh, it's great, great to have you on the show. And I think you probably have a pretty good idea of uh, of why we asked you to be on tonight. Uh, but for our listeners who have not had the opportunity to see him play, uh, we'll just we'll just jump right in. Uh, tell them what Alabama's getting in, in Deron Payne. Well, first of all, uh, they're they're getting an exceptional young man, uh, high character kid, um, and uh, I, I've coached him his uh, his ninth grade through his twelfth grade year, and, and uh, I I don't think he ever missed a workout. I don't think he was ever late for a workout. Um, just a yes or no, sir. I had done everything that we've asked him to do. <clears throat> Exceptional strength. Um, I've been a strength coach uh, longer than I've been a, a football coach, and uh, uh, he's still 17 years old. He turns. Uh, he doesn't turn 18 on May 27th. Um, Six three, uh, about 
he's between 335, 340 right now, and uh, um, 460-pound bench press, 350-pound power clean, and just exceptional power and, and, and speed for, for, you know, for a young man his size. And and Coach Smith, just I I, I, I and I was able to I, I got a nice smile out of it because you you got some airtime on ESPN at the Under Armour game. But talk about first of all before you talk about Duran's performance that week, talk about the honor you had of being down there and being able to be down there for a week and coach and work with some of those young men, some of the best talent in America. I mean, obviously uh, that must have been a, a real thrill for you as a coach. It was. Uh... Just to be down there with some some really good coaches, obviously, you know some fabulous talent, you know that you're getting to coach. Um, yeah, I uh, was fortunate enough to, you know, I, I don't know how many coaches we had on the offensive uh, side. I think we had about probably seven seven offensive coaches, and I, I'm not used uh, really to some of the places I've been, been able to you know, have that many guys. I, I was in charge of three guys. I was a slot receiver uh, coach, and I had three three young men, and, uh, you know, all of them were really good. So, you know, being able to coach, you know, three All-Americans, um, I, I will say this, uh, my, my slot receiver that I had at, at Shades Valley, I feel like was as, as, as good as those three guys, maybe just a little bit smaller. But uh, Steve Mariucci, and um, Herm Edwards were quality, quality guys. They were very, very approachable, very, you know, just normal uh, guys. Just, you know, would hang out with us and talk with us, you know, as though we were their peers. And so uh, it was a great experience. I gained about five pounds. Um, so the food was good. And, uh, and, and we got quite a bit of free time after about – we would usually work from about 7.30 till about, uh, till about 1.30. Uh, and then the rest of the day usually was was you know uh, free time to just hang out and enjoy some you know some time in Orlando. Yeah, and, and coach, we, we we before we go back to Deron, we would that's that was an excellent segue. We want to ask you about uh, your slot receiver because obviously I will we're going to uh, Carrie and I are going to unabashedly admit that we're huge fans of Keith Nixon. Uh, you know he's a we, and I mean, first of all, he's a first-class kid. We've all we've all we've interviewed him. We've had him. Uh, yeah, I've interviewed him two or three times. Great kid, great young man. But just, I just think he's in a, a special talent, despite being the, the, of the size issue. Saw him at the Alabama-Mississippi game in person. Saw him in person during your season. Uh, I just think he's an electric talent. Uh, he's obviously right now headed to Mississippi State. We would. You know, uh, as, as covering Alabama, I would love to see him with the Crimson Tide. But talk about what he's meant to your program the last two years because he's just really, I think, been one of the best players in the state of Alabama. Well, um, you know, his statistics bear out that he may be one of the best that's ever played. Um, uh, he's got 73, 73 career touchdowns. Um, that's second uh, only to Rock Thomas in the history of 6A football. Um so uh, he had 35 touchdowns his junior year, and then uh, people really began to game plan around him. And uh, I, I'm going to have to go back and look. I think he had 31. I think he had 31 um, this year. Not not too shabby. Not near as good as uh, his 35 his junior year. Uh, he ran a, a 4.35 
40 at the Alabama camp and ran a 4.37 at the Mississippi State camp. So he's got a really good top end speed. Um, you know, I feel like that, um, um, you know, I think he's, and I, I've tried to equate or try to uh, tell some people that I, and I think he's Wes Welker, but faster. I think he's, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds away from being, um, uh, I'm, my mind is, uh, my old age is creeping upon me. Uh, the kid from Homewood that went to Nebraska. Um, uh, Amir Abdullah. Yeah, Amir Abdullah. So uh, he's 176 right now and very lean. Um, you know, he could easily, you know, put on 20 pounds in a year or two and, uh, you know, and be that between the tackle guy. Uh, I just don't know if anybody in 6A football has ever put up the numbers that he's – well, actually they haven't. He's the all-time leader in the history of the state of Alabama for combined rushing and receiving yards. Um, so he, for the last two years, <clears throat> he's had over 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving in both both his junior and senior years. So, you know, I probably should have got him the ball a few more times. But uh, just a great kid. He's going to do well at Mississippi State. And um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll just uh, – We'll keep an eye on him and see how he does. I wish him nothing but the best because he's a solid young man. Bill, uh, as the partner on the 1989 Alabama SEC Championship game, you know what it takes to play at that level, at that position. Uh, you think that J.K. Scott boy might have a future? Well, i tell you this. Um, I am – there is no jealous bone in my body. That, that, that kid is uh, – as much talent at, at the punting position as anybody, you know, that I've seen at such a you know at such a young age. And um, uh, where where is he from? Where did y'all do you guys know where he played high school ball? He's from Colorado, coach. Yeah, he's oh, from he's people were wondering. Denver. People were wondering. Oh, he just put those big numbers up there because he's playing in that thin air up in the mountains. But it right, didn't matter. Right. He got to Alabama. Well, I. Uh, um, we played in a bowl game in El Paso, and 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 that's pretty pretty good altitude, and plus it's real low humidity, and we enjoyed playing there. And uh, but you know uh, the the numbers he put up this year, and uh, just the power and, and flexibility that he's got, just you know I see him only getting better, and just you know what a weapon, what a weapon he is. And uh, uh, so, uh, how, how big a kid is he? He's coach. He's about six foot four, uh, hundred and eighty-five pounds now. But here's the amazing part: during the the bowl preparation for the Sugar Bowl, uh, he uh, Kerry had a chance to interview him, and he when he was a ninth grader in Mullen High School in Denver, he was five eight, ninety-five pounds, and then hit a growth spurt. So five eight, it's just an amazing. <laughs> oh yes, so it's just been an amazing growth spurt for him and. He's, you know, the uh, the the. Uh, I know you had a really really solid career at Alabama, but the best I had seen during my time when I was very young was Chris Moore. But this young man, I've never, I'm like you, I've never seen anyone hit the ball consistently like he does. And 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 uh, he was personally, I think Alabama's MVP in two or three games this year. Would have been the MVP in the mm. Sugar Bowl. And he's just he's just an amazing weapon that you don't see often. And we were talking about it before you came on the show. I think Ray Guy is the only punter in. NFL history to go in the first round. We may have a second one because he's uh, 
he's just he can flip the field, and he's such a a, a, a hidden gem you can have on your football team. Oh, he is. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of times when you punt those 55-yarders, you know, that that's kind of been commonplace for him. Uh, a lot of times you will out-punt out your coverage, um, you know, but his hang time seems to be, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, uh, guys, I think the weather, the weather's trying to get me a little sick here. I'm trying to fight against it, <laughs> but, uh, um, but uh, I guess, up there where you guys are, what was it, about 11 or 12 degrees already? <laughs> Something like that, Coach. It's frigid. Uh, it's frigid all, even in Mobile, the whole state. And what we yeah. wanted to ask you, too, is you got a chance to see uh, Duran the whole week. Uh, he really looked good to me in, in the Under Armour game, played with a lot of power and, and agility and physicality. How was his week, and what did you think of his performance uh, at, the, at the Under Armour? Well, a lot of the high school coaches, um, that uh, a lot of them didn't know me because a lot of those guys had been there several times, and uh, are a lot of them are at you know just well-known programs that just produce you know four and five-star guys you know routinely, and so uh, it was you know kind of neat, kind of fun to just be riding back to uh, you know riding back to the hotel on the bus and somebody say something about yeah that ninety. You know that that uh, pain kid was uh, wow. That pain kid's really good. You know, and I turn around and ask him about him. And, you know, because we didn't, we spent about twenty minutes, thirty minutes, maybe a day with our defense. You know, other than that, we were just, you know, it was offense, maybe seven on seven with the DBs and everything. So I didn't get to see a, a whole lot. But uh, I would say that uh, defensively, the only other guy that was talked about as much as Duran was the the coward guy, and um, so I, I was very pleased. He did really well. Um, they were talking about, you know, just how powerful he was, and you know, when I told them his weight room numbers, they they really weren't that surprised. But he had a great week. He, he handled himself as a gentleman and um, with class as he always does. Um, a lot of times he was playing the one tank, so still a lot of times he still got double teamed in the uh, Under Armour game. And um, But he did he did really well. He got a, he actually sometime during the game, he, he got a small fracture in one of his toes he was telling me about. So uh, that, that may have slowed him down a little bit. But uh, so proud of him. And... Uh, you know, just just to be able to coach him for four years, I have, you know, probably almost almost everybody on the team in four years I've had to call to my office and talk to them one on one about, you know, behavior in a classroom or a grade or, you know, a, a teacher said that you, you know, were a little disrespectful or something. You know, in four years that's going to happen to almost anybody, but not one time did I ever have to to call him in and, uh, you know, get on to him about really anything. And so I've got nothing but good things to say about Deron Payne. Hey, Bill, this is Kerry again. I'm, and I'm actually in Hoover. I'm not far from you. But Drew's in Huntsville, and the guy that got some phone, Thomas, is in Mobile. But all three of us are oh. cold. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, what, what I wanted to ask you, though, Bill, um, what, what is the situation right now with, with your coaching future? Well, uh, to be honest, I'm just uh, 
I'm evaluating a couple of things and um, and and really just looking. A lot of people um, kind of assume that uh, uh, you know that I had when I resigned that I had something in the works, and uh, uh, but I did not. It took me totally by surprise, and and uh, the only thing that I want to know that I want people to know that you know that I, I was not relieved of my coaching duties over you know any kind of you know moral turpitude or any kind of uh, scandal of money or anything like that it's just the principal wanted to go in another direction and you know she didn't hire me and and that that's her that's her prerogative and i i, I wish you know nothing but the best for for, for the young men at shades valley high school and well said coach you did a great job there uh i have to say in my uh, my hometown here in huntsville we have an opening at huntsville high school uh, we, our coach, uh, Scott Sharp retired after five years. He's been on staff for a long time though. And, uh, we, we would love to have you apply if you would like to, you, I think you did a great job. That Shade Valley program had really hit some lean years, uh, you know, after coach Higginbotham left. And I want to credit you and your staff for resuscitating that program because you guys had a great three year run. And, uh, if it wasn't for the Hoover Bucks, you might've even got a ring last year. So. You guys really did a great job, and Clay Chalkville was such a great football team too this year. But there was uh, no uh, ill. There, there's nothing bad to say about what you guys did at Shades Valley. You guys did a great job. And Bill Drew does well, the Huntsville High games on the radio, so he's he's got the authority to offer you that job. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, I can go. I can go ahead and tell you, I, I I've already applied for that job. I you know I I would love to 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 be in the mix for it, and uh, I think it's. Uh, I, I just think it's in a position. I, I don't know why Huntsville High School could not be a, an upper-level job, especially in North Alabama. But uh, but I'm I'm extremely proud of the, uh, of of my of my kids. Uh, I had an opportunity or or two to leave last year, and quite honestly, for more money, and uh, and I chose to stay um, because of my. 33 seniors that I had, and you know, quite honestly, I, I wanted to see uh, Deron Payne and, and, and Keith Mixon and Rashad Louie, my quarterback, who also holds two all-time state records now. Um, and uh, matter of fact, he's the all-time career uh, touchdown leader and all-time career yardage leader. Um, and right now, he doesn't hold one single scholarship. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping I, I made a few phone calls today on his behalf. And um, he's 5'10", 170, but he's got just over 100 career touchdowns and over 10,000 combined yards of rushing and, and passing. So, um, but uh, back to one thing you said, um, I, I looked at our, some of our records and stats you know, over the past three years, really over the past two years. Um, but besides, uh, we had a hiccup against a very good Pinson team this year, and, uh, and and we just had some breaks and turnovers and, and 22 penalties in that game. But other than that, other than that game, the only games we lost in the last two years were either to state champions or to state semifinalists. Uh, Florence, Clay Chauvel, um Hoover. And uh, and let's see, Vestavia and Pinson. That was our five losses in the last two years. 
I'm very proud of the job. We went to Shreveport, and we beat the, the team that won the state championship in uh, Louisiana. We beat Acadiana in the Independence Bowl, beat them 39-20, to 20, and it shouldn't have even been that close. So that really was our that was our best game we played all year. And uh, and just so proud of my kids for, you know, on a big stage like that and in a beautiful stadium against the number one team in Louisiana, you know, playing so well. But, uh, Bill, I'm glad you mentioned this. I played Florence. I wanted to get your impressions of their linebacker, Keaton Anderson. Well, you know, I um, um, – you know, I don't want to be politically incorrect, but then sometimes I enjoy being politically incorrect. Um, Keaton Anderson is a football player, and he's going to play at Alabama. Um, anybody that's coached against him, anybody that's had time to watch film, uh, and I'm, I'm just going to be brutally honest. Uh, junior day this last year, I took Duran to junior day at Alabama, and I I had never met him. Um, I had heard about it, and I knew people in Florence because that's my old stomping grounds, and they had spoken, you know, very highly of him. Said he was outstanding. He'll be an SEC football player. And so at, at Junior Day, I ended up meeting meeting uh, Keaton and his dad, and uh, and he was in some very, you know, he was in street clothes and kind of, you know, unflattering, uh, just normal street clothes. And so, uh, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, I, you know, with this kid with long hair, I, I don't know if this kid's going to be able to play at Alabama, but uh, he's, he's going to play. I, you know, I have thought on record, I think he'll start on special teams his freshman year. And uh, I, he's just got a high motor. He runs a four five forty. Um, and I saw him tackle the, the – I saw him run down the Clay Chalkman quarterback uh, in the semifinal game. Uh, and just just totally amazed everybody that was watching the play. So I, I'm a Keaton Anderson fan. You know what I'm a fan of, Bill, when it comes to your old hometown, Russellville? I'm a fan of Catfish Haven. I didn't know what in the world you're about to say. Yeah, did you say Catfish Haven? Yeah, it barely edged out King's Drive in on my list. But Catfish Haven, man, you can't go lot. That's some awesome food, bro. I, I, I've been there several times. I, I almost injured myself over Thanksgiving holidays um, going back, and I stayed with my folks, and uh, uh, we all went to Catfish Haven one of those evenings. And, uh, yeah, I think I think I broke a record for hush puppies consumption um, at one <laughs> sitting. But uh, I am too. I'm a, I'm a fan as well. So, well, coach, we appreciate it, and uh, we really t- thank you for coming on this chilly evening. Uh, obviously, uh, coming to join us. It's the first time we've had you on. We hope to have you on again in the future. We really appreciate the info and the great stuff tonight. And thanks, Coach Smith, for coming on Bams Radio. And as a Huntsville High alumni. I hope you get the Huntsville High job. I'm just going to go on the record. I'm so happy that you've applied. <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate it. Um, uh, an old buddy of mine called me about it, Joe Demos, um, who right. was a, a, walk, a fellow walk-on that earned a scholarship at Alabama back in the 80s with me 
Um, he's been in the booster club, and he's got a young son, I think he's an eighth grader, and uh, seventh or eighth grader. And so, uh, but anyway, I, I believe in destiny, and uh, if it's the place I'm supposed to be, then it'll, I believe it'll happen. I, you know, I'm stepping my foot in the door, and, and if it shuts, then I'll open another door. So, guys, I appreciate everything you do, and, um, uh, you know, and I, I still bleed crimson and uh, and uh, roll tight. Roll tight, Bill. Bill. Thank you so much. That's uh, Coach Bill Smith, uh, formerly of Shades Valley, and currently, if you're an athletic director anywhere in our listening audience and you want a good high school head coach to build your program, Bill Smith is your man. And if you need his number, let us know, and we'll be happy to get to you. He did a dramatic turnaround in the program at Shades Valley, and I feel like that he'll do the same wherever he goes. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool that uh, the thing came up about Huntsville. Because Drew, you probably didn't know he'd already applied for it. I know I didn't. Well, I knew that he was interested. Uh, I was called by a mutual friend of ours this week who wanted to uh, make sure that the job was open and then was trying to figure out who the principal was. And since that time, since he had last, we had last talked about Huntsville's situation, the principal had changed. But I have the principal's number. It's Mark Mincher, the baseball coach. He's a longtime friend of mine. I used to work for him. Um, and I was going to pass that on to Coach Smith after uh, tonight, but not no need. Uh, good that Joe Demos, his teammate, told him Joe's already had a couple kids go through the program, older children, and, I did not realize he had another young one. That's not that's great, and he passed on the word to Coach Smith, and I'm glad Coach Smith had applied. I was told uh, at, right after Christmas when I did the Huntsville Times Classic basketball tournament they'd already had 40 inquiries. Obviously, Coach Smith was one of those, and I hope he gets an interview, and honest to goodness, I really hope he gets the job. He did an amazing job at Shades Valley uh, with that program and where it was when he took it over, and I think he could do good good things with Huntsville. I know. I don't know if you've been. I don't think you came that way this year, Kerry. But if you see Huntsville's facilities now at the high school, and then at what they've done to Milton Frank Stadium, they're finally starting to uh, to put some money into football. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Well, uh, we got about 15 minutes left, give or take. I thought uh, it might be a good time, uh, since we're both on now, Drew, to uh, go ahead and discuss the way that the Alabama men's basketball season has started. Uh, the Crimson Tide is uh, currently 11-3 and, most importantly, 1-0 in the Southeastern Conference after a big 21-point win last night over Texas A&M, who admittedly was playing without their best player, but at the same time, you still have to show up and play the ball game. And, uh, I got The reason that I was waiting, I got a chance to hear uh, Associate Head Coach uh, John Brandon speak to a booster club tonight. Um, and uh, basically, he, you can't put a whole lot of stuff on the internet or in that radio. But I, I, he wouldn't mind me sharing this. Uh, and it's probably apparent to anybody that's been watching the team all year. The coaching staff is really enjoying working with this group of young men. Uh, they have bonded on and off the court. Uh, you heard Ricky Tarrant in the post-game press conference last night say it's a brotherhood. Uh, and, and, and it's translated. There really hadn't been but one really disappointing loss this year. And that was blowing the game at Wichita State. It would have been huge for the resume. But yeah. at the same time, the RPI now is up around 42. And uh, thus far, and I know it's already season barely half over, but this team is putting itself in, in a position to do some things. Dude. It is. And I'm going to give a, a shout-out to our friend of this show who's been on a guest of ours, Drew Champlin. And Drew, 
reported today that actually after that win last night, the RPI is at 36. So that's, that's awesome. a solid. That's a solid deal right there. He tweeted that out this afternoon, and I I thought the team played a so-so first half, didn't end it well, but really came out in the second half, played well. You know, still need to get Shannon Hale out of his little mini slump. I thought it was interesting with Coach Grant being mic'd up last night. He was really getting on Shannon about his body language and, you know, and, and, and approaching things differently and playing harder on the defensive end of the floor. But I thought Ricky played a, good, a really good game. I thought it was, uh, you know, <laughs> Levi was solid. I really love the uh, the uh, Sports Center dunk off the backboard near the end of the game. That was a highlight. But my unsung hero again, Kerry. You know, I've been high on him from the start. Uh, Riley Norris. I really like what he's been bringing to the table. Uh, he's defending well, even though he's kind of playing out of position sometimes at the four. But he's rebounding. I love his passing ability. He got Kessins the ball. He's one of the better entry entry passers for our post guys as far as post passing on the basketball team. And he's been able to make some outside shots. I just really love his versatility and his hustle. He gets effort, and uh, it means something to him. Uh, oh, you can tell. He, Wearing he the uniform the means something to him. It does. He wears the uniform, and he believes the crimson, and he's played in school, but he's dreamed of playing for his whole life. And I don't think – you, you, you said all along he could play and all that, but I don't know that either of us thought he would make this big a contribution this quick. Well, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I did. I thought he could. I really like his skill set. The one guy that I've been surprised hasn't played more, but, of course, Alabama has a lot of perimeter players and guards, and Ricky Terrence taking on a huge role. I've been a little bit surprised at Devin Mitchell, but Devin has had some, I think, issues on the defensive end of the court. Got to get a little bit better on that in that area. But I really loved Riley. I saw him play a lot. And you know I've said this as like a broken record, but I love coaches' kids. And I met his dad during the recruiting process. Eddie Norris, great guy. And uh, he just, I love uh, when you're a coach's kid, he's worked his whole life. He, he actually played some baseball. He's a pretty good baseball player, but he's a gym rat. And I just love those kind of kids. And I was just afraid in Riley's recruiting process that we were, the Alabama was going to let him get away to Vanderbilt or Florida. And I'm just so glad they didn't. And I think he's got a bright future and will end up being a starter and a Jim Farmer level player for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, that's that's who I've compared him to when I'm sitting there at the ball games talking to Kirkman there. If Jim Farmer was six seven. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, uh, yes, exactly. a couple of scores tonight in the Southeastern Conference. Florida defeated South Carolina seventy two to sixty eight. Uh big road big road win for the Gators and uh Tennessee currently leading in startable forty five to twenty eight and the people watching the game on SEC Network group Say it looks like there's about 700 people at that game to start with. So, uh, yeah, people talk about Grant not getting road wins. I'm telling you, he's going to get some road wins this year. Yeah, he should. And, uh, yeah. and I think Mississippi State, uh, their 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 basketball program has run aground, and it's uh, and it's kind of and it's kind of ironic because uh, their old coach was on the bench last night for Texas A&M. So, yep, Rick Stansberry. Rick Stansberry. And the folks got a chance to welcome him. He was pretty laid back last night. Uh, I think he knew kind of you know, stayed in his place, and he did, and that was fine. But uh, Rick will forever live in infamy among the hearts of diehard Crimson Tide basketball fans. And uh, that being said, uh, we wanted to give credit where credit's due. There's a big one o'clock game uh, this Saturday on the road. It's going to be on TV against Tennessee. Alabama's got a yeah. chance there. Uh, and then they got to turn around and play Tuesday night in Columbia. There are no easy road games in the SEC. Uh, okay, maybe Mississippi State, but there are no 
consistent, <laughs> easy road games in the SEC. Even all will be tough at home down there. Uh, but Alabama will have a home game for the 17th, and that's going to be against Kentucky, which uh, a little surprisingly to me, Drew, okay, a lot surprisingly to me, Drew, uh, needed overtime to eke out a three-point win over a hot shoot and Ole Miss last night in Rutgers. You guys may have been watching that, you know, on press row. I had it on my phone, yeah. If Ole Miss had not had been able to take care of the basketball near the end of regulation, we're talking about old, uh, Kentucky shockingly being 0-1 in the league. I mean, right. that's how close it was. I mean, the the, the Ole Miss guards and, and Summers, who are, is more of a three, played their, you know, tails off. They got off to a really slow start, got down 10 to nothing, and got down 13, but then really started shooting the basketball and was able to trade punches with Kentucky. So Kentucky is the supremely talented, carry, but they may not, maybe they're not the unbeatable juggernaut people think because they've had two or three scares so far this year, and that would have to give Andy Kennedy, who I thought was kind of rebuilding this year, that performance in a losing cause has got to give them a lot of uh, confidence uh, going into their uh, going into the SEC season now that it started. Oh, they shoot like that in Tuscaloosa. We don't have problems. You don't oh, yeah. see people shoot forty nine percent from the floor in, in the league. Not yeah. much, and they were bombing threes and all that. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to give a little shout out to basketball. We'll be talking about basketball every week here on BAMS because it is the number two sport at our beloved university, and it, and it has thus far shown some improvement. Now. Clearly, they need to win one out of these next two road games to keep the momentum going. Don't have to have them both, but got to split them somehow. And it would be great to be able to start off with a win in Knoxville, uh, which is doable, but it's going to be, you know, a tough task. It's, it's not impossible, but it's going to be tough. Uh, but I, with that being said, Drew, I, I want to turn it back to football because I want to ask you a question from the chat room to get your input yeah. on this. Uh, the, chat, the chat folks would like to know, uh, Montreal Custis and Rico McCall, uh, McGraw, do they start out at corner or safety? Uh, I think Rico would would have a good chance of being a hybrid nickel corner nickel guy. I do think he, he's good enough to play corner though. I think Custis will be a corner, though it wouldn't surprise me if he moved to safety. The one good thing about most of these are these seven defensive backs, Kerry, besides Kendall Sheffield, who I think is a pure corner. I think most of them are versatile enough to play any of the positions. I'm the highest on Ronnie Harrison. I think he's got a freak athletic ability can run. His workout at Alabama's camp was superb. But I really like Rico McGraw, too. He's a well-spoken young man. We've had him on BAM's radio. Uh, they're going to need to watch. his. Uh, he's, he told everybody last week at the Army game he was visiting, uh, you know, Georgia the 16th and then Alabama the 23rd. So we'll see if that stays in that order. But they need to watch Rico McGraw. But, again, uh, I think uh, he has excellent ability, excellent talent, defensive player of the year in the state of Tennessee in high school. And he can be very physical as well. I, I really like Rico a lot. Brings a, a lot of talent to the table. And I think Custis is underrated. I'd been told to watch Custis as far as attrition and that the Florida Gators might get involved and Alabama might not, you know, uh, break their necks to uh, to keep Montreal. But we've now, that earlier this week, I've, been, I've, I've now heard that they don't think he's going anywhere. So we will see. I mean, I, I think personally in this recruiting class, Kerry, I wouldn't mind them signing seven defensive backs. I think they need to, but uh, we'll see because they need the talent infusion. I think we saw that the other night. They need some help. Yeah, absolutely. That's an understatement. And speaking of which, do Alabama fans also need to worry about their rumors of visits by Memphis Fitzpatrick? Well, you're always going to have to watch things. Uh, But, of course, 
I was told when he visited FSU officially a month and a half ago that he had privately committed to Jimbo Fisher and was going to flip, you know, shortly thereafter, and it did not happen. I know I was told this week J.C. Sherbert, of uh, the one of the head recruit, one of the head recruiting guys for two four seven, had crystal balled uh, Custis. I mean, excuse me, Fitzpatrick at Florida State. Uh, he admitted that well, the consternation started at the Under Armour game when Minka said he was solidly committed to Alabama, but was still talking to FSU. I think FSU is the one school to watch. I was told this, uh, you know, this morning that he there was a report by Rusty Manziel that Minka might visit Georgia. I mean, I, I, that that might happen, but a lot of times those things are talked about and not done. We will see, especially, and you know that Alabama's the coaching staff, Kerry, is not going to take things to lying down. They're going to be in constant communication with Minka. He's got a grandmother in with Tumpka, and again, he, uh, some people have been saying since the Alabama got Kendall Sheffield that Minka would flip because so many numbers at DB, but they can all play more than one position. I've even heard the Alabama staff has told, uh, talked to Minka about even maybe being a free safety, and he was uh, open to it. So I just think what Minka needs to do is make a business decision for himself, and he ought to realize, even in a great place like Alabama, you, as he, he said it at the Under Armour game, he needs to live up to this. He said, you know, Coach Smart and Coach Saban are, you know, are the best there is at developing defensive backs. And, and then when you look at Alabama's current talent base at the position, it's wide open for the young man. Even without coming in and uh, enrolling early, he can come in and impact the depth chart if he's if his mental retention is good and if he works hard and he's an elite-level talent. We have talked for, gosh, at least six months, maybe more, about the need for a pure left tackle in this class. So, yes. Is it going to happen? I think so. I think they'll get one of the three. I don't think it'll be Chidi Hokiki Valentine because of the great situation. I don't think it's time yet to to completely uh, write off Prince because he hasn't been on his visit. And then, to me, the Drew Richmond stuff is starting to gain steam. You never when Ole Miss is involved, you can never know. But I'll say this: Drew Richmond is. A, I've spoken to the young man in the past. Very. Very uh, well-mannered and uh, educated young man. He, I know a lot of people around University High in Memphis have wanted him to go to Ole Miss, but he has not been on, speaking on the record much at all lately. And it was very telling at Under Armour, Terry. There's media all over that place. He did zero interviews, and we all know who he hung out with the whole week. The Bammers. Especially one Brandon Kennedy of BAM's radio fame, who's now early enrolled and rooming with Blake Barnett, Deontay Thompson, and Dallas Warmack. And so we'll see. I'm starting to think Alabama's got a really legit shot when this official visit happens on the 16th with Drew Richmond. If he makes the visit, all indications are right now that he will, is that something could happen. And then while this show has been going on, if he's listening, good friend of mine, Todd Tipton, uh, has uh, uncovered some information that it looks like Lawrence Cager has been scheduled for that weekend now. So you can't uh, dismiss Lawrence Cager. If Alabama takes two more receivers, Kerry, I hope Cager's one of them because I'm like William. I love the leaping ability. I love the height. He had a 54-yard touchdown catch in the uh, Army game. And I think deep down Alabama's where he wants to be if it, if it turns out to be possible. And talking about 
the topic of receivers, uh, momentum seems to be shifting back in Alabama's favor on Dale and Sherlock. It does. At the Army game, or excuse me, the Under Armour game, he had a 54-yard touchdown uh, on a punt return, showcased some explosive ability, hung out with the Alabama guys the entire time, and then his he and his parents and his inner circle were very positive about Alabama. Uh, I, but I, my whole point of him going to LSU was I figured he was not going to take the official visit to Alabama. He has not visited Alabama since the junior day he committed, Kerry. But if he makes the official visit on the 16th, I've said this, I've gone on record as saying it, if he officially visits Alabama, I truly think that's where he's going to sign. Then it's all going to depend on attrition. If they take another receiver, if there is any sort of attrition, then in a lot of ways, instead of even a slot guy, I think Charlotte could play the slot. I hope they go for Lawrence Cager and his wingspan and height. And uh, if Alabama were to lose a commitment, say, to a defensive back, I hope Lawrence Cager gets the call. Because it looks like our guy Keith Mixon will not. We're all disappointed in that. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to enjoy watching uh, uh, Keith Andre Mixon at uh, Mississippi State. And I wish him luck against everybody but the Crimson. Agreed completely. And before I ask you the last recruiting question, uh, I don't have a participation chart, but I think it's important before we get off the air to go over the list of the eight official early enrollees that were released by the university today. Uh, The gentlemen who have already come to campus, enrolled in school, and become part of the 2015 class are uh, Blake Barnett, longtime friend of this show, quarterback, uh, running back to Sherius Flowers, uh, who may actually be able to look at H back. Safety yeah, Ronnie yeah. Harrison, and Ronnie Harrison's been on this show too. Uh, Brandon Kennedy, as you mentioned, a BAMS alum. Uh, he's an offensive lineman. Bo Scarborough, uh, he has multiple high schools, uh, but a solid running back. Uh, defensive tackle Jonathan Taylor, we covered that situation ad nauseum. Uh, he's from Millen, Georgia, uh, and a GPO transfer. Uh, Issues trying to be uh, ironed out. Uh, Drew Champlin tweeted another article while we were on the air uh, where uh, his attorney feels like he can get most of those charges done away with. Uh, but following that, we also have a uh, safety, uh, Deontay Thompson of Orange, Texas. I believe we had him on one time, didn't we? Yes, we did. He's another band and, one. And then a guy I wish we could have gotten, but I guess we never did, Dallas Wormack, uh, the young brother of Chance Wormack from the land of Georgia Mays High. So those eight young men are already in school, they are soon to begin off-season conditioning with their teammates, and they will be participating in spring training. That's big news. Uh, we covered it earlier in the show, but uh, Calvin Ridley did not get the test score he was hoping for, so he will be uh, asked to improve upon that score, and, and he'll still sign in February, and he'll enroll either late May, early June, correct? Yeah, that's correct. That's what their Alabama's anticipated. And people got to remember his teammate, high school teammate Sean Burgess Becker is going to sign with Alabama. They're a package deal, and uh, they Alabama's done a solid job. Mario Cristobal with both those young men, and uh, they still anticipate, you know, Calvin being able to uh, qualify academically. He just couldn't get it done at, you know, at a rapid. He couldn't make up. Had a lot of with his downtime. That's what people forget. We didn't talk about it this on the show, Kerry, but he only played three weeks of his high school season because he was too old. So he's had a lot of downtime to train and then get his academics in order. He had dug a little bit of a hole for himself like Bo last year, Bo Scarborough. He was almost able to dig all the way out, not quite, but they anticipate him being able to do it by the end of the spring semester and then be at Alabama in late May. 
You know, it's sad he didn't get a chance to go through spring. You don't get a chance to see him in the A-Day game. But he's an electric talent, and I can still see him making an impact next year. It's just depending on how he does with the uh, with the playbook. Speaking of electric talent, uh, my, my final question for you tonight before we close it down, uh, the next big announcement will be uh, Friday afternoon in Kentucky with Damian Harris, the top running back on the board right now. Uh, what you got feeling? What are your sources say? Roll Tide. Alabooter. Amen. Thank the Lord. And on that note, uh, Thomas Watts, anything else from you tonight, Con, sir? Oh, uh, no. Just ready to roll out of here. We are going to have to change the day we roll on BAMs because classes start for me next week, and I have class, and it won't work today. So we might, we'll move to Tuesday or Thursday. We'll be tweeting, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll keep our listeners, uh, 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 you know, abreast of the situation that we are going to move days, but we got we got to we got to have Rock, man. He, he's the wizard behind the curtain. So we're going to move days, but we're still going to have Bams. It just won't be a Bams Wednesday, and that'll allow Kerry to cover us some basketball as well. Yeah, that'll yeah. work great. Yeah, oh, I'm fine. You know, they they keep putting our boots and making going Wednesday night. I've got church on Wednesday night, so I'm <laughs> I'm quite happy to move it to a different night. Uh, just need to get it figured out. Absolutely. And uh, I also want to take this time to, to thank Thomas for all the organizational skills and oh, yeah. getting us a good room in New Orleans and uh, being a great roommate all week and a good travel companion, just a great guy. We're really glad to have Thomas Watts on this show. But, uh, appreciate you, Thomas, and you too, Drew, both of you guys' friendship. Uh, and I just want to close out the show on that note. Uh, I'm Kerry Clark with DynamiteMag.com, or Drew DeArmont of AlabamaIntel.com, and Thomas Watts at Touchdown Alabama Magazine. You have been listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the BAMS Sports Radio family. Roll Tide, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.